There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dadly Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review Raw and SmackDown, but also NXT, AW Dynamite, pay per views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hamper and Sidgwick to review Monday Night Raw. And Michael Sidgwick, what did you make of Raw with less than two weeks to go till SummerSlam? Uh, can I use the F word to describe how boring this was? Uh, I'd rather you didn't. It sort of messes up the editing process. Big fat load of cum, then. <laughs> Coming out the walls. <laughs> uh, it's so boring, man. It is so boring. Yeah. Like I, uh, if I thought that there was any cynical thought or any thought applied to this utterly repetitive, heat bereft content churn, if I was wearing the tin foil hat that I wore yesterday in the podcast, you can listen to wherever you get your podcast from. Um, considering and debating the state that WWE finds itself in. I would think that they are deliberately, like deliberately making these shows as boring and lifeless and heatless as possible to sort of conflate live arena pro wrestling with the Thunderdome under two ideas. One, unfortunately, I hate to think this as much as you hate to think it, with the state of the the Rona this variant, others that might emerge, there's half a chance we might have to go back to no fans wrestling. Two, Vince McMahon rather enjoyed the Thunderdome. The residue of the Thunderdome continues to court these live arena events because they're piping in noise. They want to hoodwink you into thinking that certain people are more over than they are. Or this company is creatively bankrupt. One of the two. This is so boring. Too boring. Too boring. I've uh, I've watched an episode of Raw from inside the Amway Center in Orlando, Florida before. Um, we flew to Florida the day after I got married for one of my wife's honeymoon. 
Uh, we had a 5 a.m. flight. Obviously, when you're going from England to America, you kind of go back in time a little bit up at in the airport for three or whatever it was. Um, decided to just try and stay awake to break the jet lag. Landed in Florida on a Monday, the first thing we were going to do because she's married this, so she stuck with it, was to attend Monday Night Raw, just as how the, the diary of events had worked out. Um, and I was more tired in the third hour of this Raw than I was in the second hour of that one in 2010 with about 15 hours jet lag, having gone back in time and having really desperately needed to go to bed. And uh, I, that's where 2021 Raw leaves us now. find myself constantly making these comparisons because it was just um, uh, yesterday, obviously, that I saw a couple of references to the Chris Jericho debut, for example. Um, in 1999 on the same date as this Monday Night Raw. And Raw's been around so long now. It is, in spite of what we may say every week, it has become this sort of symbol of contemporary Americana. It's been on the air that goddamn long. So there's always comparison points, whether it be personal or whether it just be the memorable. And this never stacks up to any of them. Find the most boring ones you want and contemporary Raw never stacks up to any of them. Just insane. We were previewing it yesterday. And the, the sense of futility that washed over both me and Sidgwick. The fact that, I mean, we correctly predicted, there's no word on Randy Orton coming back, but we correctly predicted that yesterday. And then everything else we were running down, because again, they'd advertised, I think, Lashley talking to the universe and Charlotte Flair, which, I mean, I suppose she did, but who cares? Aside from that, they'd advertised absolutely nothing when we recorded the Raw preview yesterday, and we still booked a better show. And... Yeah, I just was falling asleep watching this in the early hours of Tuesday morning. And I felt no need to go, right, okay, well, now I'm waking, and I've had breakfast and stuff, and I'm making my notes about this show. I better just re-watch some segments in case I really missed some little subtle nuances. No, no, I was like, oh, I've got the vague idea. Like, some of the matches, I was like, well, what was the finish? Oh, yeah, everything else can just sort of pass by. It is bonkers, as I said to Sid yesterday, that we are less than two weeks away from arguably one of the biggest summer slams in recent memory and they are just going what can we chuck out there to to fill up three hours it is just insane with all the the you know all the stuff especially going on within wwe right now but well let's dive straight into it because uh, the show opened uh, as had been previously advertised with randy orton coming out and welcoming us to monday night raw and then, of course, he gets, he's actually quite jazzed to be back right up until Riddle's music hits. His mood changes. Riddle scoots down to the ring, uh, giddily dives in to see his old pal and says, Randy, I miss you so much, bro. And we get a big ah. And he wants to know where, where Orton's been all this time. It reminds me when his stepdad popped out to get some milk 25 years ago and never came back. Big chance of RK Brown amongst all this. Riddle's so excited that they can become a team again. And Orton just turns around and goes, why the hell would I want to be in a team with you again? I work better alone. Look, we had fun. We got a buzz from the wrestling. But it's not going to be happening anymore. And Riddle says, does that mean we can't be a team? I was like, he's literally just said it. Yes, you can't be a team. You're not concentrating, Matt. But anyway, uh, yeah, Orton's not interested when... AJ Styles and Big George come down. Uh, Styles bros and takes the piss out of Riddle uh, and says, have you met this guy before? Is Randy Orton? He's very untrustworthy. 
he's taking the piss for, for for Riddle having a broken heart when Orton says, just shut up, basically. I've been home for seven weeks or whatever it was. I'm fed up of hearing you run your bloody mouth. The only thing bigger than your ego is that jackass over there. And he points to Omos. And then Styles challenges him to a singles match to prove who runs Raw. Orton accepts. Uh, he goes to give Styles an RKO, but Styles ducks out of the ring, goes to hit one on Omos, and Omos goes, no, just pushes him off. So Riddle tries it, and Omos goes, right, I've had enough of this, chokeslams him. And Orton just stands there and looks at him and goes, yeah, that was a bad idea, that, mate. And, uh, well, yeah, we've got our main event for the evening. Hamlet, Randy Orton returns. What did you make of this opening? Oh, it's all right. It's the sort of stuff that's far better live than when you're watching on TV because it's Mm. all so formulaic that you know the beats um, and there's very little excitement but if you were there in person and you could hear it as well like the fans were genuinely pleased to see Randy Orton he's got this inexplicable to me appeal as a this legendary babyface at this point more through longevity and tenure than anything he's actually ever done <laughs> um, but as we were saying in the when we were still in the Thunderdome as well the this was the one angle that you just kind of felt was connecting and we got evidence of that here live, an audience that were keen to see this. They probably opened with the right thing because this was the most pressing concern. Uh, I can't shower it in praise because it wasn't this thrilling viewing experience, Hmm. but I can't be overly critical of any of the decisions taken either. This is probably exactly what they should have done, and they probably led with the hottest angle, the best feud, and the best main event for the night. That's boring analysis, isn't it? Hmm. But it felt kind of dull to watch without... I I couldn't be overly critical of it. I can't be overly critical of it either. I'll be critical twice. One, what was the main event? <laughs> what was the main event? Why is this so fake? I'll never stop saying it, ever. Do you understand me? I will never stop saying it. That's the first criticism. The second criticism is that your prospective number one baby face, Riddle, like, he's a geek. <laughs> like, he's a totally naive, idiot geek. He's not sympathetic. He is pitiable. Goes against what I personally think a really great pro wrestling babyface should be. But from this dead crowd, and I don't want to call them a dead crowd, a crowd that has been killed is the better way, Mm. the more accurate way of putting it. Because when you put it that way, you apportion the blame correctly. This crowd just never gets anything to get jazzed about. They're kind of jazzed about this. They played along with the interplay between Riddle and Orton by going, ah, so they do feel sorry for Riddle. They are invested in Riddle. Um, So there is that. It is a WWE trademark show long hook, I guess, Mm -hmm. because you know something's going to happen. And I guess that constitutes as compelling um, a reason to to stay with this god-awful three-hour dirge. As far as a WWE segment in 2021 goes, this is one of the best you'll ever see. <laughs> that really means nothing. Uh, we go backstage and Baron Corbin off of SmackDown is there. He's chatting to Kevin Patrick. Uh, they explain it away using the brand-to-brand invitational excuse. He's going to be facing Drew McIntyre uh, and Corbin basically explains, I really need the money. I'm homeless. The bank's taken everything back. So Jinder Mahal's given him a call, offered him some money. Um, 
but uh, Corbyn was not looking forward to facing someone who could decapitate him with a sword. But he needed to take the risk because money is genuinely that tight. Oh, good, Sige. The brand to brand invitational's back. Class this. I mean, and by that, I mean it isn't. It's just really piss funny at how crap it is. Like, on the other channel, you have the forbidden door. And it just alights people with excitement. I saw Hiroshi Tanahashi on TNT <laughs> last week. I saw John Moxley tease a match stateside with Hiroshi Tanahashi on TNT last week. It goes beyond this. Jay White's on impact. Um, Big Tommy Shee mm. is in the US right now. There's a potential Ishii Dynamite appearance. The Forbidden Door rules, right? WWE's equivalent of the Forbidden Door, which I know everything's under their umbrella, but theoretically, they have so many resources, so many TV time slots. They could, in their own universe, engineer something as thrilling as the Forbidden Door. Not quite, but, you know, there are opportunities to cross over with great storylines. And if you preserve it, which you can't do with this stupid quarterly brand to brand invitation, which I was remarkably impressed by the fact that they remembered mm-hmm. their version of the forbidden door is getting Baron Corbin on Monday nights. <laughs> it's absolutely rubbish, but thank you, Tony Khan for opening the forbidden door. Number one and number two, giving you yet another comparison point between why one company is great and why one company sucks. I think you're fine. This is some hashtag LTST because uh, haven't we literally done this before? Didn't Baron Corbin take the brand to brand invitation or the last time to beat up Drew McIntyre? The last time. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> he was doing this for free, for free before he needed the money. So uh, they didn't raise that. It just, that occurs to me, hang on, haven't you already done this one? Like, do, are WWE aware that their valuable quarterly brand to brand invitation is being used up by Baron Corbin's historic rivalry with Drew McIntyre every single time. <laughs> were they mates once this. as well? Yeah, they were in the... Were they not in the Dogs of War? Dogs no, of War. They weren't. No, no they weren't. Baron Corbin's like a Dogs of War associate, wasn't he? <laughs> Who was it against the Shield in their last match? Was that Corbin? Was it, was it McIntyre? Lashley. It was Corbin... It? Was it Corbin McIntyre and Lashley? That feels right. The fact we can't remember it speaks volumes, all, but yeah. All well, they obviously all don't days. remember. No. And I'd love to know your take as well on what came afterwards, which was an interview with Drew McIntyre, where on the one hand, he told this heartwarming story about his late mother and, you know, it was very sort of very real what he was talking about. And on the other hand, he came across as the biggest babyface arsehole going, oh, I don't feel sorry for that prick Corbin. He's a bad person. He probably beat up a homeless person and took their money and nicked their dog or whatever. And he just says, oh, he's a loser. Look at him. And then he also goes, and this is the sword. It's named after my late mother. She was told to get an abortion when she was pregnant with me. She refused. She'd rather have died. She's had cancer. And then he sort of went, and yeah, back to that knobhead Corbin. Calm as a bitch. I'm going to kick your head in. I was so confused by this segment, Hamlet. Second week in a row, it's a tonal nightmare. Um, 
all I wanted to do last week, because there was absolutely nothing to talk about, if you recall, Will Bourne, was make that joke that if he actually sliced gender, there'd be some of Angela's gashes in his body. But then it was like, oh, but he named the sword after his mother, so you can't really do that. And it's like, I can't do what? Like, make a slight gag when they're doing it within their own promos. Like, they're scripting Drew McIntyre to be this guy. Um, the WWE has no soul, so it doesn't see a problem with a segment like this. But they continue to just program Drew McIntyre. And, and the thing is, I think what gets a bit lost in this is there is a subtext developing that Drew McIntyre is kind of an idiot. You know, like the the Scottish history lessons that he's then sort of shrug off and be like, I don't know, I just made it up. Like, you're thick. <laughs> you're, bad, you're bad cracking, you're thick. So whereas it's supposed to be this jovial life of the party, isn't he a fun guy bit? I think it's instead making him seem stupid. And the kind of per- the last person that you'd want to hang out with, especially if he can kind of turn the night on a dime with his different conversations. So what are we doing here? Are we taking the piss out of Baron Corbin or are we going into like deep family history stuff? Because I need to know how many pints I've had for that. It's just absolutely all over the map. Couldn't like it any less. And the McIntyre match already feels really, really mid-card at SummerSlam. Like I've got a feeling now that, that cards are looking reminiscent of those giant 11, 12 match pay-per-views we used to have before the the no crowd era kind of took them away for a bit. Um, there would tend to be a couple of those matches that would go about 10 seconds. I'm wondering if Jinder's taking a claim or an eating the pin immediately at SummerSlam. That's not a bad shout because there's a curfew imposed and there's a big boxing fight down the road that begins after they've promised SummerSlam will end. I think they didn't want to annoy the market. Um or narrow the market. Mm. So the idea is SummerSlam is definitely going to end at whatever time a three-hour pay-per-view ends um, so that the punters have got the chance to um, super spread a virus, in effect. Um, (laughs) I just, again, I love it when WWE outdoes themselves and they did it here. I have no earthly idea how after that wonderfully told very real, heart-wrenching story about Drew McIntyre's mother. I came away from that segment thinking he was a knob. Like, in the match, how do they do this? It's so good. They are so good at being bad sometimes. Uh, high point of the show for me. The match, <laughs> well, go into the match and I'll tell you my very brief thoughts on it. Yeah, uh, for the most part, you know, Corbin did get into offence, but McIntyre's kicking his head in. We come back from the break, though, and Corbin hits McIntyre with a superplex, but McIntyre headbutts him, suplexes him, neck breaker, sets up to do the Claymore. When Corbin starts begging, begs him not to do it. So McIntyre goes, I'm saying, what a real baby face would do here. Get on the microphone and call him pathetic. That's what he does. He says, oh, look at everyone. Look at this loser, eh? Corbin... Corbin still almost gets it over by when he says, you're pathetic. Corbin goes, yeah, I know. Um, and he says, you know what? Oh, just, I feel so sorry for you now. How much money do you need? Like, get your back on your feet, sort your life out, have a bloody shower. Corbin says $100,000. <laughs> so McIntyre goes, $100,000? <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you 200,000. I'll give you 300,000. Oh, wait, that's one way of progressing up numbers. But if we come down three, two, one, bloody Claymore is his head off, pins him. And then uh, don't, don't forget, we're meant to be having a feud with Jinder here. Slightly one sided, if I'm honest. But yeah, Jinder comes out with his uh, 
with his heavies, Chanky and Beer, their genders heavies. Uh, they come out, uh, <laughs> guy grabs his sword and they piss off. Force of Willborn, I've missed you. <laughs> um, yeah, you want to talk about the match, Sige? I mean, not really, but <laughs> it's part of the job. Like, yeah. um, it was a kind of a one sided demolition. Mm. The amount of I counted several overhead belly to belly suplexes. Not much offense on Baron Corbin's part because the idea that they are trying to further is that Baron Corbin's just a sack of crap. Now, a worthless human being because he's poor. <laughs> and what? like, it's just rubbish, isn't it? At this sword, man. Like, you can't, what are you going to do with it? What are they scared of? Getting their limbs cut off? He's not going to do that, is he? You know, no, he should not... do go full Triple H and just get like the, the edge of it like, like, <laughs> in front of his face like that. Triple H, you tit. It's just... a rubbish weapon. You know what would make a sledgehammer stronger? Oh, I put my hand on the end of it. <laughs> Better than a hammer. Complete. I can't believe that. What was it? A week and a half ago, Hamflet, we were like, this, uh, this Corbin storyline. Yeah. Who were you comparing to Chris Kresge you were talking about, weren't you? you? You said it. I said, yeah, there was like three segments on SmackDown that all kind of converged to <laughs> set up football in the groin, ultimately. But like all three things came together, like loads of different characters all at the same time across one episode to lead to a big gag that had a payoff later on. I was like legitimately impressed, even if the payoff was a tank shot to the balls. I was like, wow, like this company does not think like that anymore for the sake of a bit of physical comedy. It's going to get people over. And they, that was on the SmackDown preview when they binned it that night. Mm. So, gave up again. You just had Cena come out and go, yeah, not for me. Yeah, <laughs> John Cena of all people, the top baby face. Uh, thanks to, uh, by the way, what's I remember, thanks to Phil and Andrew Pollard who did uh, did the SmackDown review, although I was annoyed we didn't get to chat about Mina losing via missile going near her head effectively on SmackDown. I didn't watch it. We got a better distraction finish on Raw, didn't we? Let's be honest. Oh, yes, yes, we'll get to that. Um, right, well, we go backstage after that, whatever that match was. Uh, Riddle's riding about on his scooter, asking if they can at least be friends, if he can accompany Orton to ringside. And Orton says, no, don't call me your bro. We'll catch more on that later, because next, Michael Hamlet. <laughs> it's time for Karrion Cross to spin the wheel. Is he going to win? Is he, He's going to go 50-50. He's one and two going into it. He's got his rematch against Jeff Hardy. <laughs> uh, Cross does a little promo uh, as he's walking to the ring uh, inset that says uh, Hardy ruined his debut. He's been planning his revenge ever since. I have to wait two weeks because I'm bloody COVID. Thanks very much. Uh, he says Hardy's going to fall and play. Blah, 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 blah. Um, Hardy again gets a load of offense in. Uh, hits a DDT after the adverts. Uh, Inverted atomic drop, leg drop, splash, two count. Hardy uh, also gets another near fall after hitting the, using the jawbreaker and grabbing the tights. But this time, Cross kicks out and goes, right, I've had enough of this. Hits a Saito suplex, cross jacket, submission win. And as Cross is leaving, he gets back in and hits him with another huge Saito suplex, another submission. Uh, and he gets the whole, you suck chance. But hey, 
He's finally got revenge on Jeff Hardy, Michael Hamlet. Everything's fixed now. <laughs> it's fine, isn't it? The catchphrase isn't fallen prey eventually, is it? Jeff Hardy <laughs> did get a lot in before Gary Cross pulled this thing out. This goes back to last week when it was like, Triple H was getting pushed out with like that damn fine. You know, like there'd be no commitment to anybody. Um, I well done, Carrie. Congratulations! After a month, you've managed to get it back to 50 50. Uh, huge achievement just short of your NXT takeover main event in a couple of weeks. What am I supposed to feel? Um, go and check out our podcast on what this means, all the changes in NXT that went up on the feed yesterday. Um, because what it means is this ultimately, uh, relatively big guys with ordinary offense mostly going 50 50 that don't get over beyond a certain level until one day WWE decides that they should and has them point at a sign in January. That's carrying crosses then, now, and forever. That's, that's <laughs> all he's... Like, I don't have to care about this. And then if around Christmas time they decide that they're going to strap him, we'll see it at the Rumble. Before then, more of this. More of the same. You know, doing big Keith's appraisal, watching carrying cross every week. Um, I didn't care. And it, like... and. If anything, what I took from this 10 minutes was that, ah, Karen Cross is better at selling than he is on offence. So, great, let's put him against a lot of smaller baby faces. (laughs) Rubbish. Rubbish. 50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-50-
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Right, that was followed by a uh, brilliant video package uh, about Arcade Bro with with lovely music and a song about being friends. Can and, I just say, uh, this was actually fantastic. Yeah, I just... It's just so well done with the bathos of how it was, like, really heightened and emotional. It was ruthlessly, ruthlessly undercut by Orton's deadpan. Just genuinely really well done this. Like, I'll give them all the credit in the world. I howled at bits of this. Uh, and then he's chatting with uh, Kevin Patrick backstage. He says he has to respect Orton's wishes. Uh, he says he calls himself a stallion. Talk, you know, talks a bit about RK bro, and rides off on his scooter because it's time. I've unplugged it for Alexa Bliss versus Doudrop. Uh, Alexa Bliss comes out with. Oh, hang on, forgot to mention. So obviously, Doudrop is uh, brought to the ring by Eva Marie naturally, but Alexa Bliss she's flanked when she comes to the ring by one and only. <laughs> Yep, she carries her down to the ring. <laughs> I had to feel what style lot when I you, are, you are an absolute wizard of the crack because I knew that was coming for the full two minutes. It felt like you were setting it up. Yeah, so <laughs> bollocks, I've got that ready. I saw your phone. I saw your pure, phone. Shot. Pure magic, that pop. Pure magic. Uh, pops, pops, Lily on the on the turnbuckle. The match begins and there is deafening we want Wyatt chance. And the commentators just have to go, are you up too much at the weekend or? <laughs> just completely not mention the entire arena uh, chanting that they want Bray Wyatt. Uh, again, it goes like three minutes. Dewdrop looks like she's got the match won or she's at the very least in control when it got fans back. I mean, this is the for the people, Sid, you were like, it's going to be a real shame when uh, fans return because they can't do this sort of thing. Oh, they just carry on doing it anyway because uh, she's still drafts in control and she glances over at Lily, who sat on the turnbuckle, and it goes full screen, shot of Lily, who winks at Dewdrop 
she's frozen in in fear. Alex Bliss rolls her up and wins. <laughs> what a load of bollocks, Michael Cedric. I mean, like Alexa Bliss did one vaguely cool thing in this match. She did the Andrade-esque, no one is good, cling mm. to the ropes, and then genuinely a little bit impressed by how she managed to get from that position to the crossbody. I'll be nice, consistent. This wink, like, <laughs> I can't believe they are doing Thunderdome stuff. I can, I can. Vince loves to make movies and he loves to exercise control over his audience. So he's now making movies in the live arena setting, which he is polluting with fake noise. Just go back to the Thunderdome. It's what you just want to do. Whatever. The wink, it was like, can you imagine like the actual rodent pervert Alexa Bliss fans go, why isn't Alexa doing the winking? <laughs> Don't do it. She winks at me. I can jerk it over there. I'm the doll, why is the doll winking? Alexa, you wink at me. I love this ordered sex talk. Hang on. Uh, I, can, <laughs> I can break out, I can break out eight hundred dollars or whatever it was, and I can pay her to wink at me on cameo. And say the word little about five times in 30 seconds, you absolute freaks. Um <laughs> it's just I don't know who this appeals to. Well, you um, do. Prince Andrew. <laughs> People, people sat at home with their penis in their hand. Massive winkers. 55-year-old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> James Ellsworth. This, this was his distraction finish, wasn't it? A couple of years back. They love this one. Oh, God. And they're going to have to have a match at SummerSlam, aren't they? And they're going to do some sort of tag bollocks, I assume. I can't it's wait. No more contenders match for the tag titles, isn't it? That's what this is. <laughs> <laughs> Even Marie as well. Like the whole idea. I love it when WWE do this. Wrestling's not real. They control it. But then they have Eva Marie be going to do job. It's a doll. You an idiot. It's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of the characters is smart enough to realise it's an object, but not the other. And that's only this week. Doodrop's next week. Lily's going to do something to Eva Marie and Doodrop's going to be like, I told you. Now he's the stupid one. <laughs> Still you. Still you. I just... I just I was glad this was short. I think that's the only way. That's the only nice thing I can say about it, aside from the like you say, the tranquilo spot thing that we had. I also admire on a pure Schadenfreude basis the just total inability to do something that no one's able to do, and that's sell for the doll. The idea is you're meant to like enter the sort of altered state of mind. Mm. So if it's not even Marie just going eh, and falling to a knee. It's not that time when Shayna Baszler, it felt like a knee gave out. It's like, ah, oh, it's just voodoo, man, tit. Idiot, it's voodoo. No, I can't tell. <laughs> and then the way that Doodrop, like, sold being hypnotized or, like, frozen was so mm. bad. It's like, I don't blame you. Like, how can you do this well? They're not teaching that in a warehouse in Enfield, are they? You know? <laughs> They're just... It's the age you old method act by getting frozen in fear, but you don't get actually caught in the ring. <laughs> it's the, it's the, age, it's the children's old. toys there, but it's not for this. <laughs> it's the age old <laughs> thing of I've talked about it before. I just want to be a, a fly on the wall. You back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and then Drake Maverick pisses himself. End of match. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Close him on the doll. Doll winks. You get rolled up one, two, three. <laughs> William Regal, move your left foot towards the doll. 
Oh, what have we got next? Seamus versus Ricochet. Skip. Skip. This is honestly not bollocks. Um, we have a little bit of preparation time before these podcasts. And Will Bourne said, what are we skipping today, boys? And I said, uh, Seamus or Morrison, a priest or... <laughs> honestly, Those guys. Those guys. I couldn't remember who faced who. <laughs> so I'm, I would personally be in favour of skipping two segments, but then... <laughs> and that logic, I would be in favour of skipping everything. So we'll skip the one. Which yeah. what was the actual match? It was Sheamus versus Ricochet, non-title. There was some a couple of good spots in there. There was that mad springboard dive that Ricochet hit. He's incredibly talented. Sends him over the table. Uh, but the finish is him coming off the top. I think he went for a headbutt technically, but Sheamus has got a metal mask on. So yeah, that protects him. Sheamus, it's a broke kick. One, two, three. There you go. Enough of all that, though. It's now time for this. It's short. It's crap. It's wrestling related. The five star review review. Nailed it. And this week's five star <laughs> review review uh, is brought to you by Oz Pagliacci, who, uh, who actually sent me an email. Adam.wilborn at whatculture.com. But also, you can get it. Uh, obviously, a five star review review. You can submit by subscribing to What Culture Wrestling and leave us a five-star review on there. Just just the algorithm. That's the point. Short crap and wrestling-related. Uh, Oz says, hello, me again. I like the fact he sent this a while back, but the, the sentiment's still the same. I hope you're all doing great out there and you're not suffering so much with last night's episode. This email was sent in July, but yeah. <laughs> uh, you have to admit, just like the Spanish Inquisition, nobody expects a good Monday Night Raw. Uh, continuing my tradition of burying Triple H, could you please review the rated RKO DX impersonation segment from 2006? Thank you and have a great week. Thank you, Oz, for suggesting this. And let's take us way back to 2006. What was going on? Well, much like the start of this episode of Raw, like everything stunk a come. It was just sliding down the walls in Monday Night Raw. Um Raid RKO was a really good idea that emerged from the embers of a really bad one. The really bad one being the 2006 reunification of DX and Raid RKO as kind of a response from certainly, and I don't want to speak for Sidgwick, but certainly what felt like our side of the audience that were pretty sick of the bollocks that DX had done with the Spirit you Squad. You could speak to me all day, bloody long. <laughs> it <laughs> was all day long. I insufferable. Stupid arseholes. Insufferable sophomoric nonsense from two old men and Christ did they look old in the tight jeans and tucked in t-shirts brother when they were coming out every week and just battering these young guys Edge and Orton were supposed to be the young guys that you couldn't batter they weren't a spirit squad there was something more and Edge put it to Randy Orton not without a fair amount of logic and video packages that you realize everything's gone wrong for you because Triple H put his thumb on your head in 2004 and never let never let go and then Orton was like hasn't Shawn Michaels done the same to you and they're both like yeah actually and they weren't going to take this, basically. The way the Spirit Squad had, they weren't prepared to do it. This was in the build-up to their first match of several. And a few that actually wasn't that bad. And to jump forward a little bit, RKO never were given the Spirit Squad treatment. Because Triple H tore his quad again. And they never got around to like, having, to, having to take that loss. <laughs> Karma stepped in before yet again another pedigree could. Um, so yeah, they're kind of a, this was a half-decent angle. That made the most of a wretched DX summer. So Lillian Garcia goes to announce a match, but the DX music hits 
But it's not Triple H and Shawn Michaels. It's Randy Orton and Edge as, well, Shawn Michaels and Triple H, if I'm doing it that way around. Uh, Orton is Shawn Michaels. He goes to do the pose on the ramp. He's got a bad back. Very good. And Edge is Triple H with a huge fake nose and a man spitting water, choking on his own water as he walks down to the ring. Just can't move his arms, can't move his shoulders, basically. Uh, and Edge does a very good Triple H. Are you ready? But they, in reality, don't want anything to do with this crap. He rips off the nose. I, I just want to add, like, obviously, this is one of them things where it's clearly like, oh, the, the teachers are allowing us to take the piss out of us in the last day of term. But the things that Edge has been given permission to take the make out of Triple H for is he's got really big muscles. And he drinks loads of water. It's not exactly, oh, got him. Like, why don't you just, like, wrestle 20 really boring minutes and then the parody yeah. will be at least sort of dead on. It's like, well, oh, take that, the man. Uh, so they soon stop pretending. They say they don't want anything to do with this crap. Uh, calls her himself and uh, Randy Orton, the two most talented men in this industry. Big you suck chance from the crowd at this point. Uh, he says, look, the only people who really enjoy DX are 12-year-olds and idiots. And then they go around, and you, and you, and you, and you to the whole audience. Orton grabs the mic. You people. There we go. Bingo for the promo class. Uh, he says, DX think they can just go around and do what they want because you just, you know, praise everything that they do. Well, tonight we're going to kill the legend of DX. And we got two words for DX's fans. You suck. DX music hits and they sell for it, which I thought was funny because surely that was the finish of just like, oh, we're off now. But they were like, oh, no, we didn't mean it to happen there. So that must mean the real DX coming out. They come out. Sidge messaged me saying, mate, this is like a 13, 14 minute segment. I've got stuff to do today. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, you'll, you've, trust me, it, it's worth it, A, for what we'll get into, and B, for the fact that you can go right, DX making their entrance, skip, 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 because they're just milking it. They're like, oh, here we are, lads. Come on. Oh, there we go. They look confused about what's going on. Then they, oh, they have a laugh and then they take 20 minutes to get down to the ring. Uh, when they finally get there, Sean turns to Triple H, completely no sells what's just been said and goes, Trips, did I always look that much of an idiot when we made our entrance? And Triple H does the old, I'm not going to lie to you. And then immediately stops talking to him and he's on and asks what rated RKO are doing. They're, they're incredibly talented. They, he's putting these guys over, basically. He's really helping them. He's giving them a leg up in the industry. He says, uh, you're the two big, biggest stars in WWE. He talks about, you know, Orton being the youngest. He says WWE champion. Well, there we go, champion technically. But yeah, youngest champion ever. <laughs> uh, talks about Edge being a two-time WWE champion. Uh, doesn't know why they want to come after DX, uh, he says, you're not jokes. You're not jokes. Like, crowd, attendance here tonight. Do you think great RKO jokes? Obviously, everyone does. Um, and then he gets into the material. He uh, talks about Edge. Uh, Shawn Michaels talks about the live sex seg sex segment. It gets a huge rating. Did fantastic stuff for the company, even if Edge, Triple H says, couldn't rise to the occasion. Uh, Sid, what's he referring to there? It's cack. Okay, got it. Uh, <laughs> he says, uh, 
oh, I mean, you know, Lita couldn't quite, she only, could only get you half aroused. Or was that fully aroused? Because you got a tiny cock. You got a tiny cock, pal. Uh, I like my huge cock. <laughs> Triple H. If you weren't sure, I mean, that, that, that's literally the way, they, effectively the way they sold it. But if you weren't sure about what they're insinuating, uh, Triple H further continues talking about Edge's penis by saying, hey, the cold day, you got to account for shrinkage out there. If you know what I mean, he's got a small cack, little, <laughs> little, little, little wrinkly uh, baby cack. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say this now. I'm gonna have to say it a few times. Uh, what we're talking about obviously does not reflect the views of myself, the Dudley Boys, or anyone at What Culture Wrestling. And uh, uh, yeah, you'll see why in a second because Triple H turns to Randy Orton and says, "Look, Randy, you're you're an icon. You are the most, you are the number one downloaded superstar on the net, at least within the gay community." Uh, Randy Orton flips out at this preposterous suggestion. Uh, he could be attractive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Triple H encourages people to Google Randy Orton guy community. Um, there's a lot of attention for Randy online. Uh, and Triple H explains that by showing off some photos of Randy Orton in a shower but he's accidentally put a photo of Shawn Michaels from Playgirl in there. And Shawn, apoplectic that people could be looking at this image of his, says, you told me girls bought that magazine. And and then as if this couldn't be more of its time, trust me, it gets referred to in the comment section quite a lot. Triple H says, all right, okay, enough of Shawn's photos. Let's get back to Randy Orton and the photo with the midget and the jelly beans. But we never get to see it, which the comment section are very sad about on this video. I mean, Orton is, to be fair, to be fair, if you ask John Laurinaitis, Bruce Pritchard, and Vincent Mann, they think that's who Triple H has been pushing in NXT for the last six years. <laughs> <laughs> Would have access to them pictures. Uh, so Orton's furious, but you'll never guess what he goes and does. Uh, he wants, he wants, I want Triple H. I want you tonight. And uh, Triple H's like, hey, hey, buddy, uh, I don't swing that way because <laughs> I'm straight. I am straight. <laughs> oh, and, you know, he's worked himself into a rage now. He doesn't realize what he's saying. He's going to beat your ass. What do you want to do with my ass? Oh, what a load of crap. This want to eat my ass? <laughs> <laughs> eat my ass for a tiny cock? <laughs> so, and then... In, people get excited. I, I, I apologize, Sid. I forgot to get one of these comments to write down. But people were ironically tearing their cock off in the comment section. Like, there's a little lesson for any young guys. Watch how Triple H transitions from being a funny guy, funny, funny guy, the funniest guy in the ring, to a badass who's going to rip your head off later. Yeah. He's like, you want me to know I'm going to kill you, basically. Oh, can they not have anything? Can they not get anything here? No. Triple H accepts. Uh, and Sean gets on the mic and says, you guys can't kill the legend of DX. And even if you try, we got two words for it. Big brawl. Guess who stands tall at the end, Pamphlet? Uh, it, was, it was never Randy Orton, ever, was it? So, <laughs> not ever. Did this, how's this segment aged for you, Pamphlet? Hideously. Absolutely hideously, but I'm kind of glad it's there. Um, I enjoy any of these old segments that really shine a light on WWE for the 
gross company. It still is, and like it is, but like don't believe what they'll tell you about the PG rating, about the public facing sort of brand. We know what this is, root and branch, and especially when it's related to Triple H. I like anything that Triple H just wouldn't want you seeing. You know, the type of stuff that his kids might Google that might form an argument about why somebody shouldn't go in the Hall of Fame, that kind of stuff. Um, i big fan of him being like outed. Oh, outed as a massive HH for hypocrite. <laughs> as if in 2000, every week Triple H didn't say, I'm going to stick my foot up your ass because every week I would take grief off one of my mates at school for when people would say that. I want a piece of your ass. Oh, Hamlet watches this. You know. <laughs> Gay panic in 2006. Ridiculous. 2006, man. Sid, any, any words you want to say before we get to the comment section? Yeah, no, bring it on. <laughs> I should have like, done because there are a bunch of Triple H loving marks. Yeah, I've, I've, I've cherry-picked. I've tried to cherry-pick. We'll see how this goes. Uh, once again, these do not reflect the views of myself, particularly this first comment. Uh, do not reflect the views of myself, Dadly Boys, or anyone at What Culture Wrestling. The Greek pianist writes... We always get this. Ruthless Aggression Era will always be the best years of WWE. I'm a 90s kid, so I was lucky to experience 2002 to 2008 <laughs> professional wrestling when it was at its greatest. This era had so much quality and substance to it. The substance? So about the girth of Triple H's cack, because that's the only substance, it's the only substantial thing on this product, is this big cack. <laughs> So lucky, so lucky. Post a like, post a video or an image of Brett on Twitter, and somebody was like, oh, "I'm devastated." I only started watching after Bret Hart retired. Like the those of you know, no. Tell you when it was best when Great Carly was at the top of the card. That's when I like to watch this sort of show. Uh, These are different conversations we're on. <laughs> uh, just this comment by Raging Wolf personifies like. 3,000 comments. Please, WWE, bring this humour back. <laughs> a year ago, they wrote that. Midst of a pandemic. Oh, come on, we need this sort of thing. That's what everyone's cheering up about. Uh, we could get this. Just like Scum E. Badger, who writes, it's a shame things can't be like this now. SJW suck. <laughs> uh, These guys get AJ Styles every week. What are they complaining about? I know. <laughs> Uh, CJ Novo 992 writes, What culture's comment section brought me here? Well, yeah, you're welcome. It's nice to see. It's going to bring uh, that back. KSA 1480. <laughs> I, you know, when you read that and you're like, You've started a sentence there and then I don't know what's happened. Back back when DX, right? What do you think? What do you think the end of that sentence is? We're homophobic. <laughs> <laughs> Back when DX has full hair face. <laughs> uh, again, another sort of just like a what's it called? Uh, like a, just a they've just typed it as it comes straight into their heads. Nakia Lewis, three years ago, all all one sentence. This so I'm just going to read it in one. You ready? What are they actually ready for? The pick, my ass, but Triple H, Triple H, and Shawn Michaels pick on someone your own size. <laughs> There's one thing worse than this version of DX. It's the Triple H, Triple H, Shawn Michaels version of DX. <laughs> it's, 
They, they invent, did they invent the trios division? <laughs> and uh, final comment here, because we had some fun with this last week, Hamlet. I, uh, I found a great back and forth, let's say. Uh, so someone posts a comment and someone replies. Uh, once again, these do not reflect the uses of myself. That was anyone at all culture wrestling. We're not. I'm just reading a comment here. Grid five years ago writes. Triple H looks like he's doing roids. To which Careful. Ryan Webb says, mm, looks a bit overweight. Uh, <laughs> Shut up, Billboard Money, mate. Let's say things are going to get me in trouble. <laughs> that guy from uh, AK replies, yeah, he's got that roid belly, right? Pizza Nerd says, uh, hell no. And then... Uh, and Django Flex ends the conversation three years after it ended, by the way. So this comment was made five years ago. Three years later, Django's like, give me, the, give me that. Give me, the, give me the computer. Right, here we go. At's the person who first, first wrote it. They're all on roids, you f***ing gym noob. To uh, Oz Pagliacci for suggesting that. Subscribe to What Culture Wrestling <laughs> on iTunes. Leave us a five star review and suggest something short, crap, and wrestling related for us to review. Instead of what would do we just skip this time? Oh, yeah, Seamus versus Ricochet. <laughs> See you for next week, Seamus Ricochet skip. <laughs> Probably the best work match on the show, which just tells you how much all of it's worthless. Uh, and then we got Damien Priest versus John Morrison Sidge. Oh, <laughs> did a nice little bit of kicking in one bit. You yes. see that? That was all right. That was a, gr- a good bit, good sort of exchange. And then they kicked each other in the face uh, at the same time. Morrison gets up, corkscrew dive to the outside. He's brilliant, John Morrison, obviously. Uh, he comes off the top, though, and Priest hits him with a spinning heel kick, sets up for his finisher for Miz. Stops him by spraying him with the drip stick. To which Priest just goes, oh, it's, it's just water. So just hits it anyway and pins him. Oh, they didn't realise that was an option, apparently. Post-match, uh, Priest goes after Miz. Knocks, knocks down Morrison again. Gets in Miz's face. And I quite like this, to be honest. Miz just instinctively pops up and shoves Priest. And then suddenly realises, oh, bollocks. I've given the game away that I really don't need this wheelchair. Legs it to the back uh, before Priest can check, get his hands on him. Uh, and Priest grabs the mic and challenges Seamus to a match at SummerSlam, to which Seamus accepts. And Paul Morrison has to get his head kicked in once more by getting, I think, a bro kick this time by uh, Damian Priest. And he said to Seamus, that was going to be his fate at SummerSlam. I mean, for what it was, I quite enjoyed this amplot. I agree. Um, Damien Priest, the babyface, intelligent enough to know that it is not spunk from a cock, but water from a bike pump. And that is no reason to stop him dead in his tracks. So he goes on to not be distracted by the stupid thing and then wins the match against a guy he's beaten a hundred times, so he stood. Very much the Apollo Crews hurt business for the post-pandemic generation, this combination. <laughs> but here we are. Um, and then he outsmarts Seamus and outsmarts the Miz and scares the Miz. I cannot believe how competently, as a babyface, 
Damien Priest has been booked, considering he debuted all the way back in January. The matches, yet again, more proof how meaningless the matches are. So it makes a great point about the um, Ricochet and Sheamus match being probably the best worked on the night because it was ultimately irrelevant. I remember all the chin-stroking emojis after Money in the Bank. You know, this was Ricochet's big moment. Things are going to change for me. Didn't appear on Raw for like two more weeks and then lost when he did. That's, that's all meaningless. But it feels like they either know what they're doing with Damien Priest or they actually want him to succeed. It's so rare when you watch WWE and you feel like you're watching a baby face that they want to get behind. From end to end, really good. I, I, I don't love him, but I just like seeing somebody not suffering on the show. <laughs> what do you think, Sage? I said I like the kicking bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, backstage, it is uh, Mustafa Ali and Mansoor. Uh, Mansell's got Ollie a new jacket to wear for the ring, which he's very appreciative of. And uh, yeah, it's form- forming some sort of friendship. Uh, Mansell's apologising for what happened previously against Tiba and Mace. And uh, he says, don't worry about it. You'll do better next time. Watch and learn tonight. It is going to be Mustafa Ali versus Tiba. Although I will point out, Tiba didn't stay in this tone for all that promo because he went, hello, my name's Tiba. <laughs> you sound like the guy inside Oprah Winfrey on the episode of South Park. Pretending to be her like, sound like a dating profile. My name's T-Bar. I like long walks at the beach and uh, <laughs> smashing windows. Uh, but he did say, teeny tiny, at one point for some reason when they were talking about Mansoor and Mustafa Ali. But basically, gents... Will Bond, Will Bond, say um, Tsunami in your T-Bar voice. Tsunami! Yeah, no difference. He's, he's Maybe sad. Going <laughs> into the NXT preview later. What are we going to do preview? And I've no idea. I've no idea who's going to be left in the NXT, but... Vic, where are all the wrestlers? I don't know, Wade! <laughs> I got no idea! <laughs> Do you reckon, like, because he gets so excited with it, like, you know, like, it goes full circle. So, you know, like, he's like, whoa! Every time anything happens on NXT. Tag! If <laughs> you're on a roller coaster, you're just completely silent. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, size matters. That was what T-Bar and Mace were telling us, basically, gents. Nice. Bloody well does, isn't it? <laughs> I think I'm what? talking about dead dicks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, again, they get about three minutes here. Uh, T-Bar's just battering him. Looks like he's got him beat, but uh, Ali puts his foot on the bottom rope and Mansour makes sure the referee spots that. To which Mace goes, making sure they abide by the rules. I'm not having this. Goes out, lays out Mansoor. Uh, Ali hits the Tornado DDT for a near fall. Goes up top, gets knocked off by T-Bar. Feast your eyes for the pinfall victory. Uh, and they're going to batter uh, Ali post-match. But Mansoor this time makes the save and actually clears the ring. I really do like this pairing of Mansoor and Mustafa Ali, even though, I mean, they beat him in his hometown last week, Hampler, <laughs> and they're just losing all the time now, aren't they? But I... I I'm a sucker it's, for this sort of thing. The latter half is winning out for me. Friggin' Riddle, loser. Mustafa Ali, loser. Patriot, loser. Shawn Michaels, a boy toy, loser. Why must all the baby faces be losers? Would it have really hurt them to just do this story exactly as is with wins instead of losses? I know that like 
what they've pivoted from is rather than finding their feet as a tag team and Ali coming around to see Mansoor as, ah, he's all right, this guy. Now it's, I suck. And maybe Mansoor will help me up and then Ali's going to turn on him after Mansoor's done everything to elevate him. Why, why do this bit at all? Why not just have them get to the same point through wins? You might accidentally get an, get an act over by mistake and then have like a tag team feud that you can do where they go right the way to winning the belts before they eventually split because you never could trust Ali all along. And that was what he tried to tell Mansoor the first day he met him. You could have got there with wins. Instead, they're getting there with losses. And to what end? Like, you can't do the... Well, you can't... Oh, the other side of the coin is like maybe T-Bar and Mace are getting over. No, they're not. They're dead. They're dead. Like, this is going to do nothing for T-Bar and Mace. They're ancillary characters in a different story. It's just futile. Just such a futile cause. Um, the split is going to mean half as much when it inevitably happens as if they've just gone on a little nice and nice winning run instead. Yeah, you weren't here last week, Sige, but <laughs> it's the reaction that Ali got in Chicago, obviously. <laughs> and I went, oh, that's going to be ruined in about five minutes. Yep, beat him, of course, and then they beat him again here. What do you reckon? It's just his spiteful old twat, and, he... <laughs> <laughs> and this is just uh, quite rote storytelling doomed in the experience watching it by the, the clear fact that nothing's going to happen to either of these guys in the in the aftermath. Like Mansoor will probably be okay, given WWE's continued ties with Saudi Arabia. Um, but that's like it. Mm. Let's move on. 24-7 championship shenanigans next. Sige, uh, Reggie's doing a photo <laughs> shoot. Kira Tazotwa turns up in disguise, <laughs> tries to pin him. So does our truth But Reggie flips away. The thing about Reggie, right? I've said this before now. I'll say it now and I'll probably say it again. Like, it's class. <laughs> yeah. I like Reggie. He does some of the stuff that a large part of the pro wrestling fandom in 2021 just really want to see. Like, obviously want to see range. But I kind of want to see some excitement. Like, maximize the roster you've got, whether you recruit them out of spite or otherwise. Don't put them in three and a quarter star, like, just slow matches, like dull matches. Like, at least Reggie has got like some popping stuff. Um, could do without watching two people dress up in costumes because I'm not eight. Um, but I like the flips. Yeah, nothing to add. Like, this is exactly Reggie's role. They just don't really have interesting things to write around it, unfortunately. I say interesting. You know, some people are eight. So I'll take the flips and the eight-year-olds can have wrestlers in outfits in this particular segment. (laughs) (laughs) There is a place where this is acceptable in context and maybe it's here. Here's the thing. It's half astute, the decision to promote Reggie as 24-7 champion because the whole idea is they are trying to escape (laughs) <laughs> and within tow their prize that is meaningless and makes everyone who orbits it look like a knob but whatever if the, if the idea is to escape with the title Reggie is the most entertaining person to do that because he can flip about a bit so it's good yeah I just have a week to write this and they go flip away from a photo shoot I love their photo shoot stuff now. Like it's one of their favorite things. 
Like, why would you photo shoot for a 24 7 champion? <laughs> Quick, need to update the <laughs> very, very prolific, well paid photographer. Mm. That job. Uh, then we got a promo from uh, MVP and Bobby Lashley speaking about his match with Goldberg, of course, at SummerSlam for the WWE Championship. Uh, MVP's not happy. Of course, he got speared by Goldberg after squaring up to uh, Goldberg's son, Gage. He said he got four bruised ribs and two cracked ribs thanks to that spear. But the only thing more devastating than Goldberg's spear is Bobby Lashley's spear. And uh, MVP actually had a message for Gage. Uh, it says, your dad better not show up at SummerSlam. He will get destroyed and annihilated worse than you've ever seen. Lashley's going to end his career. But good news, that means you can spend all the time in the world with your dad after that. And Lashley, who, yeah, has got a great aura about him, says to, to, to Goldberg, you're not next. You're done. He, like, I do, I really hope that he just... Merck's Goldberg, as we honest, at SummerSlam, Sitch. Yeah, yeah, me too. It's not going to go Broadway with him, like, so we're going to be closer to a Merck than anything else. Mm. I don't know whether it's the fact that Goldberg is a, like, gassed-up mercenary dinosaur at this point, um, or we've just seen so many part-timers that they, in fact, have lost their appeal as rare special attractions. Like, MVP's delivery was great. He's a great mm. talker. Um which just isn't hitting for me as a main event level thing. Like measured against the curve that is WWE, this is stripped down, serious, like theoretically main event level stuff, but I'm just not feeling it. I think that just speaks to my wider malaise about this dreck. I, I think they kind of know that as well. You know, two weeks in a row where I've quite enjoyed the individual performances of the people involved, um, MVP in both cases, actually. Um, but it just feels like they're selling snake oil. It's They kind of know there's not a lot of meat on the bone here, really. They've not really told a story, have they? Goldberg's got a son, you know? So have me and Sidgwick. Uh, like, it's not kind of, like, there's just no, there's no story to it. It's just, they're going to have this fight. It's going to be a one and done. This is the strange thing about the Goldberg feuds as well, mm. is that you know that this is it for him until whenever. That even in, even sort of in the idea that he might win, you're already plotting how he's going to lose the title. Mm. So, like, nobody thought he was going to beat Drew. But let's say he beats Drew. People are thinking, well, if that's only just to lose it at WrestleMania. And if he beats Bobby Lashley at SummerSlam, it's people probably thinking, myself included, well, that's only so big he can cash in and give you this like big, grand sort of celebration. There's no journey for Goldberg here, is there? There's no great moment where Goldberg wins the belt and he's going back on the road. They're not going to put him on the house show posters working five days a week or something, defending the belt. It's just not happening. So I, I think they know that they're kind of like trying to flog a dead horse with this one. At least it's not uh, Goldberg imagining Drew McIntyre bad-mouthing legends. Yeah, well, that thing oh, yeah. you were going to say, if we had time, I will, yeah, well, about that. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, boy. I've just realised what comes next. It's at the end. It's nowhere near the end. It's... Oh, well, let's be quick. Okay, well, it, I, thankfully I haven't written this verbatim, but I do want to talk about the verbiage that we got next. We're backstage with Rhea Ripley, and uh, she's going to be facing uh, Nikki A.S.H. later on. Don't worry, I've kept that match note short because no bloody point. Uh, she gives Nikki credit, Ripley. She said she's 
she's you know she's done well but almost isn't good enough to remain champion and then i had to write this down siege as a former raw women's champion i understand the balance between light and dark that is needed to hold on to that title does nikki ash have a dark side because i haven't seen it nikki she basically said nikki then hasn't got what it takes to stop her from becoming champion again and then as if you were like oh that was that was some bad scripting Nikki's there. She uh, she talks about, you know, her dream tonight potentially becoming a nightmare. But she's got her nightlights in the form of her spirit and drive. She didn't almost beat Charlotte last week. She did beat her. And she was almost positive that she'd beat Ripley tonight and would do what it took to remain champion at SummerSlam. Oh, my God. This scripted, Sitch. Like, here's the thing. It's funny. If you are, like, remotely good or hireable as a television or film writer, you're not going to touch this rubbish at all. There are chances in every single industry that you've ever been in. There are chances in the highest office in the land of various countries there are people on this earth who have such a misplaced sense of belief and confidence that they can get jobs for which they are woefully underqualified and believe themselves to be good at it there are people who are legitimately very very talented who don't have this brass neck Mm. maybe they don't even have the drive if you want to call it that who could do this so much better. The worst thing about this world in deeply uncertain times is that the most certain of us are the worst. (laughs) These are the people writing this program. They're going to take Bray Wyatt's fireflies thing off him with people's phones and they're going to call him Nikki's nightlights and that's what they're going to ask fans to do. Mm. uh, Support her by waving their phones in the air. And uh, I don't care about any of that. Nightlights. Nightlights. And as a former Raw Women's Champion, I understand the balance between light and dark that is needed to hold on to that title. Cedric, you were wrong to assume that somebody wouldn't enjoy our truth and Akira Tozawa in costumes, because Nikki would, because <laughs> she has a nightlight. <laughs> the women's nightlight. champion would. Nikki's nightlights. <laughs> <laughs> Only sixty pounds on WWE. Oh. <laughs> uh, we got a brief uh, clip of the brilliant Titus O'Neil giving away uh, backpacks for all the school supplies. He's too good for them. And then we got Nikki Ash versus Rhea Ripley. It went ten minutes, and I'm going to talk about the end because I'm not going to talk about anything else because I hate all of this. Went to DQ because Charlotte pushed Nikki off the top, laid out both of them, opposed with the belt. Hamlet, all yours, mate. I'm going to beat your clock. You're going to beat my what? Well, I because they went 10 minutes instead of two. And I think I actually preferred Thunderdome time challenges than this nonsense. I just, you cannot respect this. You just, it's unacceptable, but it's been unacceptable for so long that people are numb to it. Um, the idea that they would try and have the cake and eat it too as well. Um, and I like, this would be after the fact, but I feel like we can wrap this all in together. Charlotte doing that whole, oh, you should have seen this coming. It turns out that the money in the bank 
banger between Ripley and Charlotte wasn't a happy ending to this utterly miserable programme. It was just this desert rose. <coughs> and we're completely back to where we were before Money in the Bank. Only Nikki is allowed to be presented as an actual loser of the three of them. Which is and the she's one, And she's the one with the belt. <laughs> and is going to fluke her way through SummerSlam. I don't know how they arrive at stories this bad, but they do it every week. It's just pitiful. Let's move on. A video package next. There's a fire in the forest. Elias walks up to it, talks about, you know, walking with Elias. We see flashbacks to him getting twatted with his own guitar. He said, WWE once stood for walk with Elias, but now Elias is dead. And he throws the guitar onto the fire. Elias is dead, Michael Sidgwick. What happens next? He'll be back with a guitar in about two months. That's what comes next. <laughs> yeah, then, do you think they're going to really reinvent this character? I don't, I don't know what we were talking about this on the news. I have no idea what he'd do. Well, my hopes aren't high because the guitar was the most interesting thing about his act. Mm. I don't mean it'd be horrible about Elias or anything, but in terms of the all the people that Vince McMahon has deemed losers that Triple H has put through that system, he was one of the few that wasn't known for these technical classics or anything like that. He was... Very, very, he looks great. He's jacked, but super, super bland. Um, they're going to put him in trunks, aren't they? That's, that's what's going to happen. It, like Elias Samson is going to return in trunks and have the well, he's going to get to come back in trunks instead. <laughs> he's going to get given that roll the dice DDT that they all got in 2009. Or a move a bit like the zigzag where he hurts himself more than his opponent. And uh, well, Elias Sampson can really go. He can off. I don't know about go. But I just, this was probably, I, I wasn't even interested in his guitar anymore. And it was probably the best thing about his act. Unless this is to prep for Jeff Jarrett's in ring return. But like, I don't mm. even get cross off Nicky Ash's name. Uh, then we have the Charlotte stuff. Who cares? Let's get to the main event Randy Orton versus AJ Styles. And yeah, it's Randy Orton versus AJ Styles. It's going to be good because these are two great workers. Uh, Orton is on the outside, gets distracted by Big George. Uh, So Styles, it's a springboard forearm to the outside. Look great, that did. Uh, We go to the break, come back. Styles uh, fights out of a superplex, puts the calf crusher on Orton, uh, but he gets it to the the ropes. Styles sets up the phenomenal forearm. Orton... Gets out of there. Uh, Styles doesn't have time to, to block Orton's clothesline as he makes his comeback. Draping DDT from Orton. He sets up for an RKO, but Omos pulls Styles out of the way. That leads to Orton and Omos yelling at each other. That allows Styles to, to recover. Kick Orton in the head. So Riddle jumps Omos from behind, shoves him into the ring post, jumps on his back, goes for the sleeper, but Omos uh, drives him, turns around back first into the post. That knocks Riddle down. In the midst of all this, though, Styles goes for the phenomenal forearm and Orton catches him with an RKO. Look great. One, two, three. Randy Orton's victorious. Huge pap for the finish. And then we get that moment with Riddle wanting arms out, wants that hug from Orton. Orton refuses, goes to leave, comes back in, though, and finally they are back together. RK bro are reunited. They hug. The crowd are so happy. Riddle raises Orton's hands, they pose, and Orton spins round and RKO's Riddle. So you think, oh, okay, 
that's the end of RK bro. But I've no idea what's going on, Michael Hamplet, because he sort of ruffles Riddle's hair, chuckles to himself, and Saxton, as we go up the air, is yelling, oh, I think they're back together. What's going on? Yeah, this is the uh, the main roster equivalent of um, Zoe Starks doesn't like foreign food with Io Shirai, basically. Oh, oh God, I want to come back. Um, I wanted to come back from my holiday and bury that. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the newer wrestler cannot possibly get anything in on the older one, but they are still friends. They are still a tag team. And much like in NXT with those women's tag teams, RK Bro may well go on and win the tag team titles at SummerSlam because this was a, this wasn't an RKO from a legend killer. This was a hair ruffling RKO. Can you not tell the difference, little man? Come on, it's long term storytelling, brother. When he actually turns on him, he's going to punt him in the head. He's going to give him a concussion. That's the difference. Come on. Um, the match wasn't as good as their WrestleMania 35 one, in my opinion, because during that match, I went to the bar and the venue had that lovely red Brooklyn Lager. I think the East IPA mm. on tap. And it was fantastic. And the toilets were really quiet. So I had a piss before I got my pint. Um, and then I came back and Randy wrapped it up. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't think the match was quite as good as that experience personally. But yeah, this the stuff was what it was. What it was. As soon as they cut to Riddle smiling, you're like, oh, Jesus Christ, this again. <laughs> like the hug was the nice bit. WWE is not the nice company. So you don't get to linger on the nice bit. You get to linger on the nasty instead. They're going to win the belts. Despite all this, they're going to win the belts. AJ Styles versus Randy Orton is creeping towards uh, Dolph Ziggler versus Kofi Kingston. Like they've run this a lot, mm. a lot. Like they had a great match on SmackDown when SmackDown was at or near its. Jesus Christ, his main roster's doing good telly. <laughs> Revelation period for what was like about four, five, six months. Ever since then, it's like two lads who know how to put a match together who are very good putting a bloody match together. And in three weeks' time, you'll never remember what the main event of this was because it was autopilot stuff done well. The finish was weird. Hmm. It's so weird. Like, just... I, I, I've got no thoughts. I'm, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> well, let us know your thoughts on Monday Night Raw on Twitter at WWE. Uh, watch, they can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamlet at Michael Hamlet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcast from for daily wrestling podcast. Got our NXT preview, as I mentioned earlier, to come later on today. And watch, you are there subscribing to What Culture Wrestling on iTunes. Leave us a five star review, just like us. Pagliacci did earlier and if you just suggest something short crap and wrestling related we'll review it instead of a god awful Monday Night Raw segment but this has been the Raw Review my thanks to the Dadly Boys thank you for joining us and we will see you soon Hold up what was that? Boring no flavour that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.